Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 301 of Cyclocross Radio. On this show, uh, I chatted with Sevilla Blanc, who is the current and now two-time back-to-back mountain bike cross-country national champion. And on top of that, uh, in the two weeks ago in Bear Creek, Pennsylvania, she added the XCC, the Short Track National Championship, to her resume. It's great chatting with Sevilla just about uh, coming up in mountain biking, uh, how the racing scene is striving in the U.S., and uh, how she loves cross-country mountain biking. She's stoked that gravel racing exists. She's stoked that all these other endurance disciplines are out there and has had the opportunity to do that. But she's a cross-country bike racer at the Olympic cross-country discipline, and that is where her ambitions lie. Before we get to that conversation... uh, I want to tell you about uh, Hammerhead and the the Karoo too. I actually uh, talked to Sevilla a couple weeks ago, and then I, I ran off to the north woods of Minnesota. And un- unlike many years in the past, uh, I, I took my bike with me, and I was in an area that I was unfamiliar with. So I was able to have my Karoo too to sort of do a little bit of research and load in some routes on these cool gravel roads uh, in Minnesota. I set myself about three different routes to do of different distances and terrain, and it was pretty awesome. And that's, you know, there's a ton of technical capability that this computer has. You can actually listen to Grodio, Amanda Nauman, who is much more of a gearhead than I am, can tell you about all those technical capabilities. What I can tell you is that it did what I needed it to do. It showed me my data. It showed me my power. It showed me my my speed. It showed me uh, how much time I'd been riding and and when hills were coming, which is still just mind-boggling. Uh, but it also told me the routes and, and how, how I needed to go to get back to where we were staying, which was important because... There was no connectivity in the area. I know I said that funny, connectivity. There was no connectivity in the area. Uh, so uh, that was that was crucial. And, and this has been great. It's been a reliable computer. Uh, I really enjoyed using it. Couple things you should know. First off is that uh, Hammerhead right now is having a summer sale exclusive. You can get the Crew 2 for $259. That's just... That's just me passing on information. On top of that, because you're listening to this podcast, you can also get a heart rate monitor on us. So you put the Crew 2 into your cart, you put a heart rate monitor into your cart, and then you put in the code CXRADIO, one word, C-X-R-A-D-I-O, and then that will get you the heart rate monitor for free. You do all of this at hammerhead.io, hammerhead.io, put in your crew to put in your heart rate monitor, put in the code CX radio. They're going to know we sent you there, which is huge. And you're going to get a heart rate monitor for free and a crew too at a discounted price. Okay. As you know, cyclocross radio is part of the wide angle podium podcast network. Thank you all for supporting the network. If you haven't done so yet, please go to wideanglepodium.com. You can hit the donate button. You can become a member of the network. When you decide to do that, you'll be able to choose the shows that you wish to support. Would love for you to support Cyclocross Radio when you do that. And then check out all of the other shows. Rob's been killing it on Criterium Nation. I think he's out at Intelligentsia Cup now and uh, doing podcasts from there. Slow Ride Boys just finished up with the tour. You can learn all the things that they think happened during that three-week event. Uh, Nowhere Fast, still going strong. Grodio, I'm about to post a uh, conversation with Pete Stetna. Uh, Amanda's just been doing amazing work over there. Lots of good stuff. So go donate, become a member, support the show, support the network, support independent cycling media. All right, 
It's episode 301 of Cyclocross Radio. I'm chatting with Sevilla Blanc, national champion, and I'm doing that right now. Sevilla, thanks for uh, joining us. Um, how is it back? And you're in you're in Durango now. Yeah, yeah. I made my way back, and we were just talking. Uh, still unpacking from the weekend, and yeah, cleaning everything, getting all the the dirt out of the small parts. I feel like when the racing ends with a muddy race, it like delays your your unpacking and everything by at least a day because everything is just totally messed up. But yeah, it's really nice to be home. Uh, so what's your what's your schedule like? What do you have coming up next? Yeah, I actually have a, a nice break for about three weeks right now um, before Worlds is next for me. And then that kind of kicks off the second half of the season, um, which is going to be pretty packed, like almost, yeah, as intense as the first half. Um, we have the... The, the next World Cups, we're racing in Val Nord, uh, Leger, and then, um, yeah, then we come back to North America for the last the last two. So it's definitely nice to have a little bit of a break this midseason. It's it's kind of unique. We don't normally have the like such a an off period midseason like this, but it's really nice for us to just be able to reset and train, put in a good block, and then yeah, hit it for the second half. I feel like it's nice to get that little break before worlds because just the the logistics and everything going on with the super worlds it's gonna I've, it's gonna be an experience for everyone. Yeah, for sure. Not not your normal not your normal worlds. I think it's gonna be a lot more involved. Um, I'd love to go back. Just uh, I think most people know who you are and your your accomplishments, and especially this back to back national championships. But I'd love to just go back just for a little history uh where where are you from originally did you grow up in colorado so i actually grew up in a really small town in northern california called inverness um yeah grew up in a kind of a rural uh place and was on the bike from a young age like i grew up with two older brothers and um we were just kind of i was chasing them around like just on the bikes and just being outside in general a lot uh, growing up. And then I started racing uh, with NICA originally uh, with our NorCal league. So that's really what kind of got me into racing, um, you know, frequently and building the experience and kind of like um, hooking me into the sport, I would say. Um, One of my older brothers actually race when he was in high school and he kind of inspired me to get into racing. Um, and then, yeah, then I kind of just took it from there in NICA, um, and just slowly like built my way up, um, did some racing in Canada and then eventually in Europe, but it was just a slow, uh, trajectory for me through kind of the different, um, different levels and uh yeah then then uh went to school in in durango here at fort lewis college um and raced for the college a bit uh but then yeah just kind of took off in this career from there durango is kind of a special place with cycling I, i i was out there last year for the iron horse classic never really had spent time in there and it's definitely got its own uh own own take on the cycling scene Yeah. Yeah. It's been incredible. I mean, I graduated high school and I was like, I don't know where I want to go to school. And I felt all this pressure because all of my friends, like they knew exactly what they wanted to do and where they're going to go. Um, and I was like super passionate and driven in cycling. Um, but also it was really important for me to get an education. Um, so I actually took a little bit of time off from school, just trying to figure out where I wanted to go next. And then I went to worlds in Australia and I met all these people from Durango. And, um, and then I was like, I went home and I, I, I was like, I got to check this place out. So I, I toured it and then I, yeah, then I came here. Um, and it was a, I would say it was a really, um, a really kind of turning point in my development as a cyclist. 
for sure. Because when I came here, there was, you know, there's so many uh, cyclists here and, and so many people to ride with that are just constantly challenging you. And I had a really good group of guys um, and we would just go on the weekends in the winter, like trying to find um, dry trail. We would drive down to Arizona and just ride like all weekend in Sedona or Moab. Um, and, and yeah, I think just having that constantly, like people to push you and to make you a better cyclist really helped me. So yeah, super grateful for Durango and I stuck around. So I like it here. (laughs) So it, it sounds like cycling was kind of your primary discipline you didn't start from like we talked to a lot of people that came from other sports was anything else out there or was it always just cycling um I actually grew up horseback riding a lot um I love animals and I was yeah I was super into it for a while and then um I also sailed a bunch growing up uh we live really close kind of on this bay um that called Tamales Bay and yeah, I grew up sailing there. My dad is a big sailor. So like small boats. Um, and that was a big passion. I did soccer. I really did a lot of different stuff. Um, but I think the competitiveness that I saw in cycling, uh, really inspired me to pursue it more. Any, any lessons you could take from either sailing or horseback riding that you're like, Oh, that's applicable to bike racing. Gosh. <laughs> That's a tough. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't say I wasn't doing either of them really competitively. It was more of yeah. like a a a strong hobby. <laughs> um but I mean just both of them like being outdoors um and you're able to they're they're able to take you places that you, you know, normally wouldn't go and I think that's something that's so special about um cycling and you know, I'm, I'm racing in all these different places and training in all these kind of random places. Like I was talking to somebody the other day about how like the races are, you know, they say where the race is and then you just go to wherever that is. And sometimes it's, you know, in the middle of nowhere, kind of a random place that you would never necessarily go. Um, but yeah, just being able to explore like that on the bike is yeah, really special. So what, when you got serious about cycling, what was the, who's, what was the program that you started in? What sort of got you out there and got you involved in these, these bigger races like after NICA? Yeah, I, uh, I came up through actually the bear development team. Um, so that was a, a really big support network, uh, in my junior years and really like gave me uh, made, made those kind of national level races and international level races accessible for me. Uh, cause no, otherwise I really would really struggle to, to get to them. Um, so that was, yeah, a really big support. And then, uh, I, I bounced around on different, different teams, um, kind of throughout my U23 years was on whole athlete. Um, they folded and then, uh, team 20, 20, 2020. 2024. Sorry, they've changed their <laughs> team 2024 with Leah. Uh, that was super cool. Leah's always been like my number one idol. So to be teammates with her was was really cool. And I learned a lot. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, just just different programs and, and now um, now joining the Frenchies. So yeah, I, I want to get to that, especially so Rock Rider racing team is is where you are now how did that come about? I mean, what, what I saw when I was on the world cup circuit, just, I think it was like 2015 through 18. I believe you were in there. What I would see, like, especially near the end of the season, all these young riders, it was almost like you were going to a job interviews. It was just like going from, from some team to team, trying to, you know, meet the managers, get interviews, do everything, find teams. And it seemed like super stressful. So just a little bit of that, kind of process of trying to be a professional athlete and then how you ended up with rock rider. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's intense. Like, and I feel like I've learned it. Um, I've learned so much just in the last few years. I mean, just going back a little bit, um, at the end of 2020, my boyfriend Cole and I, uh, we were racing together, both racing cross country 
And um, we were without a team at the end of 2020, kind of um, a little bit like last minute, we were we were really scrambling. Um, and this was also at a time when, you know, everyone was cutting budget, like nobody knew what to expect of the next year. And so we um, were really at a turning point. We actually almost uh, stopped racing because we didn't know if we would be able to to support ourselves and, and make it work. Um, but we decided to just like take it into our own hands. And um, we started our own, our own program. Um, and that was um, hugely supported by Orange Seal. And then we had um, some other sponsors that were, that were supporting us. And we did that for a year, just kind of ran our own team um, and <laughs> learned a lot. It was super challenging. Um, and we were both, I think I was just 21 and he was 22 and it was our first time really like thrown into the professional world of cycling. Um, and so, yeah, that had its ups and downs, positives and negatives. Um, but a super good learning experience. And then the next year, Orange Seal really stepped in more and we joined their, um, off-road team. So that was great because like it's so difficult when you are being an athlete and also trying to run your own program and it, it works for some people um and some people really like that but for me as a as a world cup athlete like it was just super challenging so the support last year um being on the team was was great and yeah it's it's crazy how um yeah what what the athletes have to yeah, what what we go through every year with with sponsorship and and teams and it's changing and um yeah, it's so much but Orange Seal um kind of changed their uh their structure of the off-road team into this Orange Seal Academy uh which is what it is now, which is kind of a broader group of athletes um that they're supporting with uh performance coaching. So we are all working with Dennis Van Winden, um, and I've been working with him for a couple years now, um, and and we're able to to have support with Orange Seal um, through the performance coaching. So, yeah, so I I'm continuing to to have that, and then I moved on to the Rock Rider Ford Racing Team, um, which is yeah, it was a big change for me, but it's been incredible just having the the structure, um, and the resources of a European team and just learning so much new stuff from, from these, yeah, from the Frenchies being in, being in a completely different environment. Um, but it's been, it's been really great. So when you raced, you know, you had the support of Orange Seal and, you know, John does a great job supporting a lot of athletes, but when you're going to Europe, before this year and the last previous years, you're still, are you still, were you still racing with USA cycling for support for those races? Um, in, for a couple of years in my U23, I was, I was with USA cycling sometimes. And then the last two years, um, was orange seal. They were, okay. they were supporting so you had your, in, so Europe. in Europe as well. Okay. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm assuming now with, rock rider it's a little bit better not i shouldn't say better bigger setup that they they have there and just sort of ingrained in that in that world cup um structure and then you also have uh more teammates out there too which has to be has to be cool um what's the what's the change in just like the the process you know getting to the course are you all riding together you gum you know looking at lines or you know is that more of a team thing or still do you look uh and sort of go out and i know it works both ways finding sort of your american compatriots or whoever and just just doing it doing it with them yeah totally um yeah it's definitely that's probably one of the biggest things that i love about my new setup is just having uh yeah, having the teammates and, and people to just talk through the course and talk through tactics and just, um, yeah, just you're living the same thing as them. So it's, it's nice to have people, especially when I'm over in Europe, you know, out of your normal environment, like it's nice to have good people around you. Um, but yeah, it's, we're normally like pre-riding the course, uh, Stefan Tempier is, he retired last year and now he's, uh, like, 
this kind of sport director of the team. Um, so we're riding course with him. Uh, I have, yeah, with Greta and Emmeline, um, the two, two other women on the team. Um, and Olivia, she's a U23 rider. She's racing some on the road, so she's not always there, but yeah, we're always pre-riding together. Um, and it's really nice to have a, a girl squad like that. And then, yeah, then we come back to the tent and, um, we eat together and talk about the course and, um, yeah, talk about tactics for short track and all of that stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's awesome to have the support over there and it, yeah, it's, it's definitely big and it feels like, uh, it feels like, it, like your family, especially when you're, you're racing world cup after world cup weekend. And you're kind of like, it feels like this, this circus, you pack up after the weekend, you drive to Austria or wherever the next race is and then set up again. And it's like, there's your home kind of on the move. So yeah, I feel grateful to that. It feels like, uh, a comfortable environment like that because it's, it's super hard as a U.S. rider racing in Europe. Um, and yeah, there's, I mean, you're, you're on the road 80% of the year. So. Yeah, for sure. So we've had Nova Mesta, Lenzer Haida and Leo gang, right? Those are the three world cups. How are you feeling about the season so far? And there any of those sort of stick out as, as races that you enjoy the course or you just like how the race went for this year so far? Yeah. Um, Tough question. <laughs> uh, I've had, I feel like I, well, actually I started my year in, in Spain, um, in January. I'm going back a little bit, but, um, that's where my, my coach is based. So the last couple of years I've, I've started the season there, which is great because I'm in really close proximity to like, um, UCI racing happening around for, you know, preseason points and stuff. Um, then I came back to the U S raced here. And then, yeah, went over for Nova Mesto. Um, I did a lot of back and forth, a little bit too much travel, I think. So the beginning of the season for the World Cups really didn't go great for me. Um, I had some sickness and like minor setbacks. Um, so yeah, it was, it was super challenging actually. And, um, and yeah, really hard because I'm coming into a new team. Um, yeah. I'm wearing the stars and stripes. Like you want to, uh, prove so much to so many people. And, um, so yeah, I really struggled when I wasn't showing the results that I wanted to. Um, but yeah, I would say that I ended up, I skipped Valdesol, uh, just because I, I was, you know, definitely not in it for the overall, um, and really needing to just like reset and, uh, train a bit. Cause I just, you miss a lot of training when you're, traveling overseas and I was sick a little bit. So, um, yeah, I really just needed that to be in one place and to train. Um, and I think that, yeah, I mean, nationals was, uh, was amazing. And I am feeling super motivated now to, yeah, for the second half of the season, which is all I could ask for, because I think there were some pretty low lows, in the, in the first, yeah, in the first few world cups. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy when you get perspective on everything, like that's just the nature of the sport, you know, there's highs, there's lows and, uh, and you just have to learn to ride it. Um, but it's so hard and it's so much harder in the moment, (laughs) but yeah. No, absolutely. And and it's not, it's something that I think we, we see a lot with a lot of athletes and a lot of athletes out there who have won world championships. I mean, you can look at like Pauline and and Evie and just look at the struggles that they, they've gone through up and down. So it's just like, it's such a demanding sport. And, you know, when we look at North Americans, I think it is that much harder. And you came off of uh, like that, those Fayetteville races, which was really good competition. And you, you know, did awesome there. And I'm sure we're looking, looking like you were ready to go for Europe, but yeah, with sickness and travel and everything else, it's never just, just really hard to, to, to nail. Um, but you talked about nationals. So that's back, back on home soil again, again, another really great battle. You know, you, had had a little bit of a target on your back defending national champion. I'm sure there's there's something in there 
probably like, okay, let's make sure people know this is, this is a real thing and, and not a one. So, I mean, you've won at the U23 level and then stuff like that, but coming into this, just talk me through Bear Creek a little bit. It's a, a little different nationals than, than we've had the last couple of years in uh, Winter Park. Yeah. Yeah. Very different. Um, finally, after what, three years, we're back at sea level and, and we had this, the humidity, which is, I've never raced in that kind of condition, um, and the heat. So yeah, super different. And then the track was, was really cool. Um, they added an, and included a ton of like natural technical kind of rock trail, um, super steep climbs. So for me, it was a, a really nice track and, uh, cool that they, they included all of that in, uh, in nationals. Cause yeah, it's, it's, uh, and unique that they would do that. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I knew the heat would be a factor, the humidity. Um, and then for sure, like I was, I was super stressed about, <laughs> about the, the weekend because, uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted to, to prove, um, to myself more than anything that, you know, that, um, like I, I could be there. Um, but just after just two and a half weeks of training, uh, in Durango, you know, I mean, it was super quality, super good, but you never know. And, and also meanwhile, the world cups are going on and, and, uh, the U S competition is looking super strong. So, um, yeah, I just tried to really have a good mental plan and just focus on the things I could control and uh focused on riding my bike really well this track there's so much that can throw you off um and i think things can change down to the very down to the line uh like you know there's there's so many places to puncture or for for to crash or for mechanicals so i knew that you know the race wasn't over until it was over um and yeah i really just tried to to stay in my own um my own zone and, uh, stay patient and just focus on, uh, yeah, staying relaxed and riding my bike well and, and just climbing good and, uh, and fueling and cooling. So that was, that was really, I think what I, what I focused on the most. The track was, so I think, I think it was four miles all all the way around, around there. Uh, and you all just did four laps it was kind of a throwback you know not not in that aspect it's not like a world cup at all where you're usually doing six seven laps but as far as the technical terrain especially on that descent did that to me it looked that reminded me more of a world cup race especially with uh, those as you were talking about the natural technical uh components than i think we've seen in nationals in a long time. Did it, did it have that feel for you? Take away the humidity and everything else? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely a big step up from what we're used to racing in the U S um, super technical. Yeah. There was those long rock gardens where you were like, you really have to stay super focused till the very end to, you know, stay on your line, not get off. If you got off your line, like you would lose a lot of time. Um, yeah, the the length of the course. I mean, I think that's pretty. That's classic for for uh, nationals. I think last year was the same. Our laps were like twenty five minutes. Um, so I was expecting that. It's definitely different. It's a little bit weird. You're yeah. You go out. I, I raced with like with CO twos and plugs. Like I mean, you're out there. Like you hit the the, the tech feed zone once per lap. So you you got to be a little bit self sufficient. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it was a, a really, a good step up and it challenged a lot of riders, uh, the course. So yeah, it, it was exciting and it, and it definitely added to the racing. I mean, it was technical and you, you had to know how to ride your bike. Um, and that's always, and then, yeah, you're racing, going, you're redlined the whole time and, uh, trying to drink on the rocky sections and yeah, it adds just so much more technicality to the racing, which is really um, exciting for spectators and for us. Yeah. So 
yeah, I, just my my own personal view of the of the long laps. It's really hard for us to try to shoot that because you get like one shot every lap when you're used to you know being able to sneak around and get at least uh, two or three. It's uh, the pressure's there for us as well. Uh, but talking about the race itself, you know, pretty quickly into this one, it just became a two woman race between you and Kate and. It looked like y'all were going all out, but it also it looked like you were just kind of keeping an eye on on each other until that final lap. Is that is that how? What was your strategy for this? And we'll talk about the you know how it ended up too. Yeah, like I said, I was just really trying to um, to keep like listening to my body. I mean, I didn't really know what to expect with the heat, um, and yeah, it was it was a. Uh, a really strong battle just with me and Kate, she would kind of, I would lose contact a little bit on, on some of the climbs in the later laps. Um, and then I would always bring it back on the descent. And as the race went on, I kind of, um, knew that I could like, uh, I could kind of stay in control of, uh, my pace if I let her go a little bit on the climb. And then I knew if I kept the gap between like 15 to 20 seconds that I could bring it back on the descent. Um, and yeah, and then the last lap was kind of, uh, I mean, she, she had a little bit of a gap on the climb at the top of the the final descent. And, and then, uh, yeah, I brought it back about halfway down that. And then I actually made like a mistake and she, she got like five bike lengths on me. And again, I was like, Oh no, it's over. Um, but then, yeah, I just tried to like snap back into it, you know, mentally and remember like it's, this isn't over until until the line. Um, so yeah, bridged back up and then it was, yeah, kind of a drag race to the finish line. Um, and I looked at that sprint the day before. I mean, I think when that's one thing, when I'm riding course, I always like, you look at all the lines and then at the end, I'm like, I I look at the start finish and just kind of, you know, worst case you want to know a little bit before, like how the sprint would go down. Um, so yeah, luckily I had done that and I was in a good position and, um, yeah, came down to the sprint. So, yeah. So when we saw you last, we were up at the green zone on the, on the final lap when you came through there. And I'd say it was probably about eight second gap between you and Kate. And then that's, that's going, you sort of have that one little last, uh, climbing section. And then it's just the, the descent through the, through the rock garden and just, just to give people a perspective, we're saying rock garden. I mean, it's, it's gotta be like a mile of this it, all, all pretty much going downhill in this technical section. You just, you know, there was throughout the the weekend at all levels, you'd see lots of crashes, lots of really tricky switchback downhill turns, lots of points, as you were saying, you know, there was the, there was the heckle pit where all the fans were hanging out. There was a, super technical 180 almost turn into these rocks that you were like, if you lose your line, you lose time. Well, one of the reasons is a lot of people were getting off their bike and having to, having to run and get momentum again and get back on. I just like, just amazed that that, that is where you were able to pick up time because that really is a, um, sort of shows that the, your technical ability. I mean, obviously you are, um, uh, the fastest one down there, which is impressive. Where, where exactly did this, did the pass happen? Was it near the tech zone before that? Yeah, the pass was, uh, just right at the end of that tech feed zone. Okay. Um, there's a little bit of a hill and I just went, yeah, right at the hill. And then there's a couple little kind of roll or risers more. And I was, yeah, just tried to pump those, um, as much as I could and carry the speed. And yeah, I didn't know how far back she was, um, when I attacked, but I just, I was just like sprint to the, to the line because, um, yeah, I just remember in Fayetteville, I, I posted up and I thought that they were a lot farther behind than I, than they were. And then the photo was like, we were, you know, it was a photo finish. And I was just like, Oh my God, like, what have I done? And I was so lucky, but 
I won't do that again. <laughs> yeah, we were, believe me, we were all like inspecting our photos and looking at tires for that oh, Fayetteville God. race. Like, who won this? Uh, but yeah, for that, for this one though, complete, yes, you just sort of let it all out in the sprint there. And to be honest, at the finish line, we didn't really know it was a sprint because it's a, it was the one nice thing about this course was it was a super long finishing stretch. You know, there, it wasn't like some of these world cups where we've seen where it's like turn the corner and then there's really no room for a sprint. You had a long way to go, but it was also pretty lumpy and kind of, as you said, those little risers. But by the time you cleared that and sort of hit the horizon, it was, it was just you. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive that that started at the end of that tech zone which was basically right before the the sprint and you were able to make um that much that much room so that was a that was a really nice finish thanks so and then the next day next day you know you you get the stars and stripes there and then we're lining up for short track and it just you you talked earlier just about having to go through a tough stretch with Europe this year and just being able to have to, you know, keep that positive outlook and keep, keep moving forward. Sunday was kind of a, a, a mental game as well, preparing for that short track. I know it's not, you know, you're, you're only racing at the most 25 minutes. I think we ended up probably 20 or a little less by the time it all ended up, but rain, not rain, severe weather delay, lots of lightning in the area, lots of, you know, pushing it back hour after hour after hour. What are you doing to prepare for that? I mean, you were looking at what, like a three o'clock, three thirty race originally, and you didn't race until six. So what's the, what's kind of the mental preparation when that stuff sort of comes into play? Yeah. Um, well, we arrived at the venue like on time for our three, yeah, three something start. Um, and then, just got delayed, delayed. Honestly, um, I was sitting in the back of the orange seal van for like three hours, you know, checking your phone, like seeing if there's updates, they keep pushing it back. So we were like, I really thought that they might have to cancel because, um, I heard, I, I heard that, you know, every time there's this light, a lightning in, strike in the area, they have to delay by another 30 minutes. And I'm like, we're going to run on daylight. Um, so, yeah, we were there for three or yeah, yeah, three or four hours. Um, and by that time, you know, you've eaten your pre-race meal. Like now at, for me, I ate it at 12 PM and it's now like, yeah, five and you're hungry, but you're like, should I, what should I eat? Like I could have a gel, but that's kind of gross. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, just kind of waiting and waiting. Um, but Personally, I love when the the conditions change so drastically like that. I think it just throws everyone off and um, and you don't really know what to expect. Uh, so I was really excited for a, the thought of racing in the mud. Um, but yeah, also I was like really kind of thinking we weren't going to race. Um, but then we got the call. Yeah, jumped out of the van, had some caffeine, gel got on the rollers, uh, warmed up and then we were on the start line. So it was like waiting, waiting, waiting. And then a super short turnaround and like, boom, like caffeinated, warmed up, like ready to go. For this event, the, the media room and the operations room were both sharing an area. So we, you know, I was sitting in there just kind of as a wallflower getting all of the uh inside scoop as it was going down and yet you're you're absolutely right it almost didn't happen because it's so it's not like USA cycling really has no control over it it's it's up to the people who run the mountain and actually the ski patrol was they were they were the ones in charge and their their one thing was 7:30 it's lights out they're not going beyond 7:30 that was everybody's going home nothing's happening after that so that was like the hard deadline and then they were trying to work backwards from that and then it was, yeah, it was like every time there was that lightning strike and it was kind of funny because like with my like team people, I was sort of texting them what, what was going on just to try to give some sort of, sort of update. But it was, I think they, they did a, you know, we like to give them a hard time, the organizations a lot of times, but I think they did a really nice job on that day 
getting all of those races in and even getting, even if they were a little bit shortened, I still think that they were, um, hard and competitive races. However, one thing that did change, I want your thoughts on when you went out there originally and looked at the course to me, it's sort of just because of the climbing, it was almost Leo gang ish for a, for a short track. It was like a ton of, a ton of climbing and then descending. And they, they really, one of the changes that they made to get this in was that they changed the course a lot and shortened it up. What, what did you think about that, that change? It made it almost, it was like a, like a mud crit almost, you know, it wasn't anything technical in there. It was just, they took out the berms, they took out everything. And it was just basically kind of a power race. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it was crazy. I mean, actually I, I never, I didn't look at the course uh, before the race and we had an opportunity to get out like right before our race, but it was so muddy and wet that I was just like, it's not worth it. You know, your, your bike is trashed and the race hasn't even started. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't know. I mean, I looked at like the, the profile on the map, but I had not seen the course and I, I knew very quickly when we hit the first, uh, grasp it, that it was so wet. Um, the grass, like somebody described it like suction cups, uh, but like you just sunk maybe like three inches and you're just grinding up this grass ski slope, uh, going so slow (laughs) and going so hard. Um, so that was like, yeah. And then the mud descent was, you know, just totally slick and, um, yeah, just wild. Like every corner, my, my tactic was to kind of, uh, get to the top of the climate in first, if I could, just so I could see the lines on the descent, the first lap. Um, Cause I didn't know like what the mud was going to do to the course or what the, yeah, as I said, what the, what the course was. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then just being in first, you're able to see the lines and not like be following some rider. So, um, that was the goal. And then, but yeah, it was strange because it was like, uh, like you said, it was kind of like a, a mini cross country race because it was just a climb and then a descent and a lap was like three minutes, something. Yeah, it was funny. So you, you sort of had your work cut out for you on that first. Like, was it was it Bailey? There was some bear development. Yeah. You just like went off like a shot in that in the beginning. And I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. But it, then it seemed like you all kind of figured that out by the time the first lap finished up. Yeah, she, she had an awesome start, and uh, yeah, just totally whole shot it off the line, and um, yeah, it, it made the it made the start really exciting. And then when it came, came down to it, I think, was it, did you all get 20 minutes or just under that? I think for the, for the whole, yeah, just under that. Yeah. And again, it was, I think it was just you, Kate, was anybody else in that group with Gwen, you? Or did it, Gwen was, oh, uh, that's right. right Gwen was there as well. Kate, yeah. 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 And then I think, uh, who was it like Michaela and, um, uh, Maddie, I think we're, uh, we're, yeah. we're chasing from there, but yeah, so it was the, it was the three of you all, which I, I know that's the trio has had that some, some battles out there for a short track for this, you, know, you were talking about, it's such a slog out there. Is there any strategy? Is there any race tactics or is it just, just grind away and try to be first of the line? I think, uh, in a race like this with the conditions, the way they were gaps can open so quick but also close so quickly um so i think like for me i was happy to be like in a good position in the first lap um because i know that that those i like those conditions um and in a race like that i feel like it's such a mental race because you know i'm going up the climb like it you're going so slow your tires are sinking into this like sloppy grass and you feel like you're like oh the riders behind me they're going to catch me i'm going so slow but but everyone is is dealing with that everyone's going like that um so it becomes kind of a mental battle and then just to be able to keep your focus on the descent and um yeah ride it like i don't know how i guess it's kind of just like riding ice or 
a mixture between ice and sand. And you just have to be really relaxed and kind of not control the bike too much because if you, you, you know, force it too much, then you will slide out. Um, it's this very fine line of, of riding the mud down. Um, but yeah, just, just staying focused and, and not crashing. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it's hard to explain what that is because you're on this mountainside, yet it seems like there was almost like puddles on a mountain, like the water didn't go down. It just kind of all sat there the whole place, which made for some, you know, in, impressive rooster tails and stuff when you were riding by. But yeah, it's just, it looked crazy. So you have the two national championships again. Uh, Rock Rider doesn't have to, you know, change your kits out. So you should put that in there that you're saving them money on their budget by just keeping the stars and stripes. Uh, but I guess my question for you, just looking forward, you know, you were talking about having this great beginning of the season and then it just didn't work out the way you wanted in Europe. Are you doing anything different now going into worlds, going back to Europe from again, having this great domestic showing with these, uh, national championship wins and then, looking forward to the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not, not doing anything super different. I mean, I think just being here in Durango, having a really solid training block, like getting to train a bit, because when you're racing and traveling, you're not really training, you're kind of just tapering the whole time and then you race. And then, um, so it's really hard to, to build the fitness. Um, right now I'm taking a little bit of a like mid season break, few days off the bike just to really recover and be able to build to yeah build more uh for the rest of the season but yeah not changing much i feel like um it's like whenever things are are not going super good or um yeah like like the the beginning of my season when it's it's so easy to be like oh like what's wrong i need to change something you know but really like you don't need to, to make any drastic change. Like, I think for me, it was just, just needing some, some consistency with the training and, um, yeah, just kind of refocusing. And then after this weekend, just, it feels really great to, to feel like myself on the bike racing again. Um, and to have that confidence, uh, I think was, was really what I needed. So, yeah, I think it's important to note that like when, when things are, are going, not going so good. Um, you don't necessarily need to like make a drastic change, you know, sometimes you just need to like, just assess and focus on the small things. Like maybe you're not resting enough or maybe you're, you know, you're missing a little thing here and there, but you know, usually it's, it's never a time to like freak out and, and change something huge. Last thing I just want to touch on you, you've, you've had, great success in XC, but you also talked about, you know, struggles with sort of finding support in the past. And I think a lot of your uh, colleagues in the same position and even Cole have uh, decided to to sort of shift over to these longer endurance events, shift over to the Lifetime Grand Prix, seems to be what a lot of North American athletes are doing. Did you have any thoughts of doing that? Was that that in play? Were you thinking about possibly making that switch? And if not, sort of what kept you in XC? Yeah, it's been incredible in the last couple of years to see the growth of, yeah, the endurance racing in the U.S. and the opportunity there. Um, it's drawn, obviously, so many athletes that direction. For me, I've always been, like, really heart set on cross-country racing. Um and yeah, even though, even when there's like really difficult times, like I, I feel like I'm so driven in this discipline that, um, I didn't really feel pulled. I, I did some gravel racing and, um, I, I love the opportunity to jump in when I can. I think they're super fun events and they draw so many people and it's really cool to see like how many, uh, like the skill level of riders that, that go, like it's, you know, some people it's their very first mountain bike or very first bike race. And then, then you have the pros like racing for this big overall. So, um, it's really cool to, to be at those events and, 
I love the opportunity to race them when I can. And for sure, there's a ton of um, opportunity for the the riders focusing fully on that. But yeah, I feel like uh, I I want to give myself a, a full shot at uh, at the Olympics and and cross country racing. So for now, I'm I'm really fully focused on this. But it's really cool to see the growth of of that discipline in the U.S. and and what it's bringing. And now it's, it's growing in Europe too. So, um, yeah, I think getting more people on any kind of bike is, is a good thing. So it's, yeah, it's really cool to see. Yeah. I I think it's good too. And, but, and some of the hand wringing I I see out there is like, Oh, well, kids are going to grow up and all they're going to want to do is be like gravel racers. But then you go to these events like, like nationals when we were at the U S cups earlier this year and just seeing the, the, the talent and just sort of the quantity of talent, like in the U 23 and in junior fields, I feel like cross country racing, Definitely isn't on the downfall. It might even be making making a little little bit of a comeback. Seems like you know, with more quality races, we had so many UCI races in the the US this year. That I'm kind of excited for the for the future. I mean, what's your what's your take? You're, you're seeing a lot of a lot of really good um, talented kids on the way up. Yeah, so many. I mean, it's it's incredible to see. Like for example, at nationals, um, the juniors are ha- they have to do qualify rate qualifier racers now and when i was just i mean even 23 like a few years ago they weren't doing that so just the amount of riders who are at nationals um has grown so much and that's really cool to see i think a lot of that can be um you know thank nika for that because they really that's like the first gateway for these young riders to get racing um so yeah, that that's really cool. I think that uh, Bentonville is doing a really great job with the the U.S. Cup in Fayetteville. Um, with their they're adding some. It's the first like purpose built cross country track um, that we have that we're racing on, and there's you know I think it's really bringing the the level up for of U.S. racing to yeah, be more competitive. It's be, just be more competitive with, with European racing. So when we go over there or when juniors go over to Europe for the first time, it's not like a complete shock like it was for me. I mean, it still is, but <laughs> at least if we can just bring that level up a little bit in the U.S., um, I think it it will really help with the development. Well, awesome. Thanks for taking the time to t- uh, talk today and congratulations on, on the national championships. Yeah. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed it.